we've started this year talking about a culture of courage and developing this culture. And I'm going to say again that until you believe, you won't be able to become. Until you believe. This is not a to-do list. This is not self-help. This is not uh, a life hack or a way that you can figure out how to be a little bit better at doing what God has called you to do. We are not trying to ask you this morning to, to lift yourselves up by your own bootstraps. We are here to declare that what God has got for your life is impossible in your own strength. And so you have to believe in his presence. You have to believe in his faithfulness. You have to believe in what his heart is towards you and in all the promises that are yes and amen in Jesus in order to answer that call and become what God has called you to be. You have to believe in order to become. Proverbs 28 verse one says, the wicked flee when no one pursues. They can feel their lack. Even when there's no threat, they know they've got lack. But the righteous are bold as lions. And we're not righteous because of our works. We're not righteous because of our, our, our own things that we've done, our own holiness or our own actions. We are righteous always and only by the grace of God, by the finished work of the cross. And so we know that we're righteous as a free gift of God, holding fast to the finished work of the cross, and therefore we are bold as lions. When you know the righteousness of God, when you know that there's nothing standing between you and Jesus, when, you, when you're not second-guessing your own value and your own worth and your, and your own uh, significance in God's eyes all of the time, what happens is, is that it redefines your life. It redefines your identity and your definition of what's possible. You're no longer asking yourself the question, can I do it? You're saying, do I believe God can do it? You're no longer trying to live for God. Instead, you're allowing God to live through you because what you can do is inconsequential in this equation. It doesn't matter. The question is, what is God going to do and what does he want to do through your life? It produces a boldness when we know that our sufficiency is not of ourselves. And so we have to understand that by the grace of God, we are who we are and with that knowledge, walk fearlessly into the future, surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit and having the courage to believe all that God has declared over your life. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe in the promises of God and the call of God on your life? Do you believe that he has a plan and a purpose for you? Do you believe that God can use you to make a difference in your family, in your workplace, in your community, in his kingdom? Do you believe that by you becoming bold and sharing your journey and opening your mouth and walking with people and pastoring people and engaging with the call of God for your life, do you believe that God can make a difference through your life. Because the moment you begin to believe it, you create the capacity for it. You begin to trust God for it. You begin to, uh, the opportunities will flow. It will be, they will, they will, that one door will open after the next if you believe that God can do it. Because you're expectant, because you're ready for what it is that God wants to do. The grace of God moves us. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse nine to 10, Paul writes about his his. What, what he should receive and what he is because of the grace of God. He says, for, he says uh, in verse nine, he actually says, he says, for I am the least of the apostles. He recognizes that he wasn't even there in the beginning. He was unworthy, he says, to be called an apostle. I'm not worthy. The one who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, he says, I'm utterly unworthy to be even be called an apostle. 
because formerly I persecuted the church of God. I was against the Christians. I stood by as they stoned Stephen. I got letters from the the Sanhedrin to go out and to uh, put Christians in prison and to separate families and to wreak havoc amongst the Christian community. I persecuted God's church. How could I now be worthy of being called an apostle? He says this in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, it's not because I was good enough to become an apostle. It's just God's grace. He just had a plan and a purpose for my life. And therefore today, I am who I am only by his grace. I love this because he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. It was not in vain. It it didn't amount to nothing. It It wasn't wasted. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. You know, Paul's got to be pretty sure of that statement when you've got a whole group of apostles that are feared and respected, that are leading the church in Jerusalem. And and, and Paul gets up and he's like, hey, he puts it in a letter. He's like, hey, guys, I worked harder than everybody. You've got to be pretty bold to write that statement. I worked harder than any of them. Listen to this. Though it it wasn't me. It's not I. But the grace of God that is with me. How many of you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling like, man, I just got to get to church. It's rainy, and what I want to do is definitely leave this bed and just get, you know, just get uncomfortable and put on you know, some tight jeans and, and, and some makeup and some things to make me look good, and then I want to I drive all the way over there. And How many of you wake up on a Monday morning thinking, I'm so excited about going to work today? I mean, this is going to be an awesome day. I can't wait to be at work and to hear the demands that my boss has for me today and, you know, the complaint of that co-worker again. How many of you wake up that way, feeling that way? Or, or if you are serving, we're not always waking up in the morning going, oh, so awesome to serve. Some of the guys were here at 6.30 this morning setting up. I'm pretty sure some of them have thoughts, why me, Lord? Why do I have to do this? But what is it that gets us up in the morning? What is it that moves us beyond our comfort, beyond our preference, beyond what I want? It's the grace of God that has awakened something in us that says there is something richer and deeper and fuller and more satisfying that I can experience by answering the call of God rather than choosing my comfort again and again and again. And you won't know the fullness of it until you actually get up, get out of bed, and go and do the thing that God has called you to do. And so Paul says, I I work harder than any of them, but it's not me. There's something else that moves me, and it's the grace of God. Galatians 2.20, I love, but I love to include verse 21, because it says, I have been crucified with Christ. My preferences, my own desires, my my own comfort, I've been crucified with Jesus. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, the days that we spend on this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. I don't nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. He says, I'm I'm, I'm not not going to go back to trying to earn my righteousness and thereby disrespect and disregard and dishonor what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I'm going to take hold of my righteousness and I'm going to live every day that I am on this earth to the glory of God. 
I won't nullify God's grace by trying to do it in my own strength or living for my own comfort. I'm gonna give everything to Jesus. And I believe that that is something that God is calling us to as a church. It's challenging, it's hard, it's difficult. Right now, some of you are asking yourselves the question, can I pay the price? Here's the good news, you don't have to. Jesus has already paid the price. You just have to walk in that finished work. And I wanna encourage us as a church in that this morning as part of our Vision Sunday, believing God for all that he wants to do through us. I'm gonna go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll look at a few more verses um, before we share an exciting opportunity for us all to engage with God's call. So let's just, let's just pray together. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your goodness. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you have already awakened something within us, that you have already ignited us, that we already have your word burning in our hearts, shut up in our bones, this fire, Lord God, that, that propels us, that moves us, the love of Christ that, that, that sends us from one day to the next, Lord God, as we follow after you. We thank you, God, that this morning we can experience an awakening we can experience a revival in our hearts. We can experience the fire of God and the passion of God within us. And we can move boldly forward into the future. And we give you all of the glory for that. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have in store for us. And what you want to do through us as we bless this city and this nation through your presence. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So um, I want to share with you today... Um, and, and, and we're going to do things a little bit differently. It's our Vision Sunday, and we want to uh, share a few exciting things and share some of our plans for the year and introduce you to the guys leading our teams. And there's a few extra things that we want to do. But before we get there, I just thought I wanted to take you on a bit of the journey of that I feel God has taken me on over these past few weeks. Um, and, and I'm sure you'll agree with me that everyone here today is in some form of leadership, even if you're only leading yourself, all right? That, even that is a, how many of you know that you need to know how to lead yourself before you can lead others, right? And sometimes when you don't wanna get out of bed, you actually need some leadership. It's a leadership moment, and you need to sit down with yourself and have a heart-to-heart -heart with yourself and say, hey, there's more to life, right? You need to actually encourage yourself like David does in the Psalms where he speaks to his own soul. And so you might be leading yourself. You might be leading in your marriage. You might be leading your family or a department, or a team, or perhaps you're a manager at work, and you've got some staff under you, or you're a CEO, or in my case, a lead pastor of a church, um, but all of us would be familiar with this feeling that comes with leadership, this weight of responsibility, the burden of leadership that is ours to carry. It comes with the territory is that when we're going to lead, we must be willing to take up the weight of leadership, the weight of responsibility, the, 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 the burden of, of responsibility that goes with it, where God calls us and equips us, and we need to plot the course forward. And I know that in my life, as I have taken on the weight of, uh, and the responsibility of leadership, which honestly is a joy to me, I wouldn't have it any other way, but there are moments, and I'm sure, again, you'll agree with me this morning, where you can feel it where you can feel that burden of responsibility as you plot the course forward for your family or for your, your future or for your, uh, your business or your, your company or, or, or your spiritual life or whatever it may be, where you feel the gap between who you are and who you need to be in order to fulfill that plan and that purpose. 
And you often ask yourself the question, as I have, is this the right direction? Am I leading the people that are following me in the right direction? Is this the correct course of action? Are we running after the right things? That's a burden that I feel, especially when we come to the end of the year. I'm always saying, oh, Jesus, if I don't hear from you, then I'm not gonna go because I don't know where, I don't know, I'm not just gonna walk off into my own direction. I feel the responsibility to hear from God and say, God, lead us. And whenever we come to a vision Sunday, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to just go before God and say, God, what is it that you have for our church? And I'm sure that many of you have felt that responsibility too. The problem that we have is we can't predict the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the obstacles are going to be. We don't know what the best thing is always to do. We don't know what the economy is going to do. We don't know what challenges that we're going to face, what crisis moments are going to exist. Sometimes we don't know how to be truly effective in a culture that is so instant and so dynamic and that is changing from one moment to the next. Just when you think you've got it down, it's already changed. You know, that's why you've got to be an early adopter. Um, when it comes to, to certain things, like, um, you know, don't be like my mom. Uh, you know, I, I, had, I had a Blackberry when Blackberries were cool. And I told my mom, Mom, you've got to get a Blackberry. And she didn't listen to me for like five years. And then she got a Blackberry when Blackberries were no, no longer cool. And then we all had iPhones. My mom had a Blackberry. We're like, Mom, you were too late. You're too, now you need an iPhone. She still doesn't have one. She'll get one as soon as the next thing is developed, Right? And sometimes we just got to get in at the ground floor. We just got to have the courage to say, right, this is new. I'm going for it. If you're a part of Anchor Church, that's you. If you're a member of this church, you're an early adopter because we have just begun. We're a young church. We've just started. And yes, we might not have our own building yet, and we might not have everything the way that we want it and what we envision and what we dream. But what we have is the opportunity to get in early and to make a difference, to go on the journey. But we don't always know what the future is going to look like. We don't know exactly how to be effective in our culture. And so what we do is we go looking for information. We go read the books by the experts and, and we do the research, the market research, and we talk to friends and we get opinions. And, and all the while, we're just hoping that we can make our future just a little bit more secure. If I can just get enough information together, then I can make an informed decision. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a church leader, I have done this over and over again since the time we started Anchor Church and, and asked myself the question, is this the right strategy for us? This year, the right strategy, we're going to do a little bit more of this and then a little bit more of that. And, and perhaps if we shorten the sermon by 15 minutes, some of you are amening inside of your hearts right now. We shorten the sermon by 15 minutes, we do one less song and we make the coffee really great, then our church will grow. And we go and find out, what do people want? What do people want? How can we make the church grow? How can we reach more people? And let me say that there's nothing wrong in, in understanding our culture, understanding people's expectations, and doing what we can to give people an experience that is accessible and that is effective. There's nothing wrong with, with a message that doesn't go on and on and on just simply because the pastor loves the sound of his voice or, or, or you know, instead of doing 20 songs, doing slightly less, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with, with having great coffee. Look, we love coffee and we're going to have coffee anyway, so it might as well be good. And those are all good things as long as they never become the main thing. As long as they never become the main thing. 
You might have preferences here this morning. We know that you do because many of you share those preferences with us. We had one Sunday where um, I saw a, a new couple who was sitting outside. They literally, it's before we had the, the area for the moms and the babies, and, and, and they were sitting outside the window at a chair and a table, and uh, I walked up to them. I, I walked out just to get some water before I came to preach, and, and the worship was happening, and, and I walked past them, and I stopped by, and I, I greeted them, and I was like, hey, good morning, so good to see you here, but, but we're outside the building, and they literally covered their ears and said, sorry, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. It's too loud. I'm like, you have got to be kidding. You have got super hearing. If this is, you're outside the building, and apparently it's too loud. For some people, the music's too loud. For other people, it's too soft, you know? Some people love these songs. Please do more of these songs. Why are we not doing the old songs? And other people are like, are you guys still on these songs? Why are you not doing the new songs, you know? And there's just preference. If we asked all of you, how would you like us to do church? We'd have as many people as there are here today. That's how many different opinions and preferences we had. And preferences aren't necessarily bad, but once again, our preferences should never be the main thing. We'll take on board as much as we can, we'll journey together, and we'll create the church that we believe God has called us to create, and, our, and we'll take input on that, but it should never be the main thing. We should never treat the church like it's a McDonald's drive through window where you get to put in your order, and then you expect exactly what you ordered. This is not a custom shop where we're going to tailor-make your experience because this is about a sacred calling from sovereign God for us to be a part of what He wants to do in our generation. Now, that's going to put me personally beyond my comfort zones. It's going to put me beyond my preferences. I might not like a whole bunch of it, but I'd rather be a part of a genuine move of God than some commercialized product that makes me feel great for 20 minutes and then I go off and live my life unchanged. I don't know if you feel the same way this morning, and maybe this is a bit challenging, but I've been challenged by the Holy Spirit. So our preferences are fine, but they can never be the main thing. And sometime last year, I, I felt like God was starting to speak to me about taking me beyond my own wisdom, taking me beyond what, what I can do. We had a few people confirm a word of God to us which said that this is a new season for our church. They say it, it takes three years to start a church, so we've started, we've established, we've survived, we've made it this far, but we've only just begun. If this is a race, our feet have just left the starting blocks. They've just literally, there's a centimeter between our spikes and the starting block on this race. And God is saying now the race begins and there's a new season for us. And we had uh, one of our, our team members, Nano, he came up to me um, sometime last year. And in fact, it was, his, um, it was his first Sunday here. And he came up to us and he said, God is going to come and do something bigger than you. God is going to come and do something bigger than you. We had Suneni, who's a longtime member of our church. He came to me and he said, God showed me that you were standing in this house and you, you opened up the cupboards and it was just new linen. Everything was fresh. And the voice of God said, this is a new season. 
and we knew that God wants to do something. There's a new season. We had Militia, who's on our strategic team, had a dream about how God had helped us as a church weather some of the early attacks that came against us, some of the difficult moments, some of the challenges which strengthened us. We didn't lose our joy in it. We didn't lose our strength in it. We didn't lose our virtue in it. If anything, it encouraged us and strengthened us and built character in us and gave us this vision and this passion and this joy for the future. And now we're heading out. Now, we're, now we're, we're finally out of the starting blocks and God has brought us to a place where he is preparing us for the miracles that he wants to do. And over and over again, God has, has been speaking to us about this and as he has spoken to it, we've asked God, you know, what is it? What do you want it to look like? But one thing we know is it's going to go beyond us. It's going to be, go beyond our own earthly wisdom. It's going to go beyond our own strategies. It's going to go beyond our own plans. Is everybody happy? Did everybody have a great time? Okay. You know, it's going to go beyond that. It's going to go to a shaking and a moving of God. This is the difference between earthly wisdom and, 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 and humanly wisdom, or earthly wisdom and, and heavenly wisdom. How many of you know that if you use earthly wisdom, you'll only ever get earthly results? You'll only ever get earthly results. There, earthly wisdom has some, you know, benefits. Like if you park your car at the shopping center in Joburg, lock it, right? That has a benefit. They won't, you come back and your car will still be there and hopefully your stuff will still be inside unless you've been trigger jammed or whatever and then it won't be. But, but the point is, is that there is earthly wisdom and it has earthly benefits and, and, and we can have increase through earthly wisdom. But if you want supernatural outcomes, you need supernatural wisdom. You need to hear the voice of God. You need the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need God to come and do something. You need to surrender control so that God can come and do something that's bigger than you. You need the courage to walk away from what seems good in order to take a hold of what God calls great. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust God in here that he is the one doing the work and don't lean on your own wisdom and your own understanding. John 3, sorry, James 3 which is a, a, a tough passage of Scripture, but James 3 verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Who, who calls themselves wise? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. You see there? You see there? There's a wisdom that comes from above, but there's another kind of wisdom that doesn't. It's earthly. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So James tells us that there's a kind of wisdom that comes from heaven and there's another kind which is earthly wisdom. This is, is earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. And if you want to know which is which, James tells us very clearly, one is about self. 
Earthly vision and earthly wisdom is about you and what you can get from your life. What I want, my ambitions, my dreams, my preferences. The other heavenly wisdom is humble and sincere and full of mercy and about others. It's forgotten self. And you know, we can say, yeah, yeah, we've got heavenly wisdom. We're all about others. I'm not about me. How many of your New Year's resolutions had to do with what you wanted for your life this year? How much money you wanted in the bank by the end of the year, as opposed to how much money you wanted to give away this year? How many of you wrote down the, the, the comforts that you want to gain or the progress that you want to make in, instead of the progress you want to help others to make? You see, we need help here. We need the grace of God here. We need a bigger vision here. The one is about self, the other is about others. One leads to disorder and vile practices and politics and, and complication and always trying to get ahead. The other one leads to peace and righteousness. Incredible. So, so often when we plan for our future, we begin and we end with us. What do we want? And then we wonder why we're unfulfilled and unhappy and unsatisfied. But if we can stop for a moment and turn our faces towards God and, and just say to him, Lord, you are my portion. You are my prize. You are my peace, my constant, compassion, my constant companion. I surrender my life to you. I will go where you lead me. Show me the way. Use me as you will. You know what will happen? God will lead you. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. He'll lead you into peace. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to experience the rest of God. There's rest now because you're not trying to figure it out all in your own strength. You've surrendered to, to God's mercy and to, to His grace and to His leading. You're trusting in the Lord. It takes the pressure off. It took the pressure off of me. When I was planning for 2019 for Anchor Church and I realized that I am not the savior of Anchor Church. I'm not, I'm not even genuinely the lead pastor. Jesus is. He is the head of his body. And so he will take us where he desires. All we have to do is follow his guidance. Follow his leadership. Okay, Jesus, what do you want from my life? Can we pray that prayer every day this year? Okay, Jesus, I surrender. What do you want from my life? It'll produce a harvest of peace and righteousness in your life. The pressure will be off. And that's where God has brought us to and brought me to as a church. Lord, what do you want from, for Anchor Church in 2019? We know that we've been called to run. And I promise you this. I promised everybody this right from the beginning. It doesn't matter what we face. We will never, ever, ever give up. We will never give up doing what God has called us to do. We will run, and we will run until our, 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 our race is, is done. But Lord, can you help us run in the right lane? Can you help us run after the right things? Can you continue shaping our hearts so that it looks more and more like yours? Can you help us become what you want us to be so that we will do what you've called us to be? And so what I'm believing for in 2019, for us as a church, for me personally, and for every single one of you, is a deeper transformation. To be more in love with Jesus and to be more shaped and discipled and equipped to look like him. 
to have his heart. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. It makes rich. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And I love that verse because what it tells me is that God does want increase for your life. God does want multiplication in your life. God is a God of influence and of power and of growth. But when you seek those things with earthly wisdom, you may increase, but you'll increase with sorrow. There's all kinds of complications and difficulties and, and people do kind of things where they overstep their own boundaries in order to get ahead. It complicates your life. Ask any criminal who ended up being rich and perhaps even free. Perhaps somebody who was never caught. They, they defrauded a bunch of people and, and they moved to a new country and they're sitting there. Are they happy? Do they have peace? So you can get rich, rich by unjust means, by earthly wisdom, but it comes with sorrow. But when God adds the increase, when God produces the multiplication, when God does the building, he adds no sorrow to it. He makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So you can try and we could try every gimmick and every trick to make church grow you might want to make money or lead your business or improve your life. But if it's done in your own strength, it comes at a price. It'll wear you down. But if we trust God to do it, if we trust in His grace, then we realize He's already paid the price for us. And that's what I believe God is going to come and do at Anchor this year. I believe He's going to come and do something that's bigger than us a multiplication factor, uh, an increase that comes simply because we had our faces turned towards him. As we behold him, he transforms us from glory to glory. And that's what we're gonna do this year. We're gonna, we're gonna behold him. And here's the best thing about it. Your journey, my journey, our journey is sacred. It's sacred. We don't have to compare ourselves to any measurement tool that's been put out, that's been laid out ahead of us. Our journey is in the, hand of God, in the hands of God, and we're all called to be a part of it. It's in the heart of God. Your journey is in the heart of God. Not consumerism, but a great call. Community comes with commitment. And I believe that God is calling us to a greater sense of commitment this year. Whereas if you're a part of Anchor Church, if, if you're a part of this local body, we want to ask you to be a part of this local body. To give of yourself to what God has called you to. Too many people treat the staff and the people in church. We even say that we're in full-time ministry, which can be so misleading if it's not understood correctly because Ephesians 4 tells us, that we as the fivefold ministers, the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and the prophets and the apostles, we are called for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And therefore, we're here to equip and you're here to minister. You are the ministers. We're in full-time equipping. And so many people will come to a pastor after a service and say, oh, pastor, you ministered to me this morning. And we're grateful when people feel that way that we minister to, and we're glad to encourage you. It's part of our jobs to encourage you. But again, it can be so misleading because people treat the pastor like the one that makes me feel good so that I can go out and just feel good for the rest of the week. It's kind of the equivalent, if I can use this analogy, of hiring a personal trainer 
to get you to a certain place than going to gym and asking the personal trainer to run on the treadmill while you watch. And when he's done, you say, you ministered to me this morning. That was great running. Well done. I'll see you next week. I sometimes think that in the church, the wrong person's on the treadmill. We're all called to run. We're all called to run. This is not a restaurant. You are here called by God to run. And I'm here to shout you down as you run, to encourage you, to say, yes, keep going. Keep going. Our leadership, our staff, we're here to encourage you as you run the race and to challenge you to go beyond what you thought was possible. We're here to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. We don't want people to sit back and go, that's fine, I'll just hang around. We want to move people into their destinies. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. You see, there's a maturity that happens. How many of you know, if you've ever started to run, maybe you thought it sounds like a great idea, you bought some running shoes, you got the kit, you got the iPod thing, you got the, you know, the Bluetooth earphones, you're like, I am ready to run. Five minutes into your first run, you're like, what on earth was I thinking? Worst idea ever, I will never do this again. But there's a maturing that happens as you keep going. You run one day, the next day, the next day, the next day, and all of a sudden you begin to enjoy your run. You begin to, you, you long for the run in the morning because your body has become conditioned and strengthened to the race. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to understand that there's a maturing process to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. We don't want just three quarters of Jesus' stature in our lives, what he wants for us. We want the fullness thereof. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see again, there's the human cunning. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, listen to this, which is equipped, with which it is equipped, every joint when every part, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How are we going to grow in 2019? Every part working properly. Every part working properly. We do the equipping. And when every part is working properly, we'll have a church full of people that come alive and the body will grow. And it's as simple as that. So our prayer for you this year is that this will be the moment. And you might not feel ready for it. You might think, I don't, I don't know if I can, I don't have energy. This pastor seems way too excited about this message this morning. He, can he be done? Because I want to go and chill at home. And you might be saying, oh. and that's honestly the reason why we back away from stuff. It's like, I don't know if I, I have what that, I, I don't know if I'm ready for it. Here's what you need to do this morning. You need to know that you will never be ready for it. It's like parenting. Some people are like, I'll have kids when I'm ready. Then you're never going to have kids, okay? Because you're never ready for that human being that comes and demands all of your time 
for the rest of your life, okay? But what, you, what we do is, instead of being ready, we trust. We trust in God. We trust in God. He will, he will grace us for every season. And this morning, if you say yes, there may be some difficult moments. There may be some challenges for you. But I promise you, God will give you the grace to run in the race that he has set out before you. And so I am believing that God is going to awaken something in you, develop a culture of courage within us as a community, and that together we can be like those dry bones that came alive as they were filled with the Spirit of God, and we can fulfill as a great army standing in this city the call that God has for us. Amen?